Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm your host, Jordan Rausch. And I'm Jeremy. So this week, I have kind of a, I don't know, simpler question. I don't know. I guess this is this one might be easy, might be hard. I think it's surprising either way. Which president is an eighth cousin to Vice President Dick Cheney? What? Are you even related at that point? Not really. It's like, <laughs> kind of. I think you're like... I think you might be able to get married to each other. Well, I think even like second and third cousin can legally get married. No. No. Yeah. No, it's like sixth cousin at least. Oh. Well, so, there's two questions for you Okay. <laughs> we'll have the answers at the end of the show to both so, of them. So, like, not as related as FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt, I think, but yeah, still related. Yeah, they second cousins. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But answer to the quiz will be at the end of this episode. There will be three answers. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was three questions there. This week's episode, I'm just going to tell you now, it's a longer one. And I even tried to cut, and I even cut a lot of stuff out. So just so you know, be prepared. This one's going to be a wild ride. Well. So... In order to prepare you, I even got you a shot. So, well, well, thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Peppermint. <laughs> okay, so as soon as I looked at my notes, I was like, "Oh no, I wasn't prepared for this name yeah. <laughs> that I wrote down." So you don't think that automatically now when you look at. Your I notes. mean this this one's <laughs> this one's really bad, really bad. Hmm. Oh boy. Okay. Smith. Smith. Oh, Smith. <laughs> Joe Schreibvogel. I'll let you look at it. Schreibvogel. Schreibvogel. Yeah. It's German. Don't try to pronounce all the letters independently. <laughs> Was born in 1963 on a rural farm in Kansas. Joe's parents had both come from wealthy farming families, but they refused to pamper their children, and Joe always felt like he and his four siblings were only born so they could work on the farm. Heard this story before. My parents are always like, we only had years so that we could have free child labor. Like, I think, like, pretty much any family in rural America, like, if you grew up on a farm or a ranch or a dairy or... Yeah. You're free labor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Joe recalled that no one in his family ever said I love you to each other. Joe further experienced the cruelty of humans when he was repeatedly raped by an older boy when he was only five years old. What? Told you, get into it early. Well, I mean, that's a mood killer. Yeah. Though, even though Joe didn't receive any love from the people in his life, he felt love when he was with animals. Along with working with the farm animals, Joe would also bring home random animals that he would find, including baby antelope, porcupines, and raccoons. Joe's mother said he would bring home ground squirrels and raccoons and keep them in cages until there were so many that nobody could get through to the back porch. She had to make him stop bringing home animals when he started catching snakes and wanted to keep those at the house too. In school, Joe became the president of his local 4-H chapter and raised show pigeons. When he got home from school, Joe would complete his farm chores and then take his BB gun and shoot sparrows. He would collect the dead sparrows and use medicine bottles and then fill the bottles with colored water so he could practice his aspiring veterinarian skills on them. He, like, I don't know, in kind of a weird way, he thought that he was, like, like you know, like a little kid make pretend way. 
like when he put colored water in with the dead sparrows, it was like medicine Mm -hmm. and he was bringing them back to life. But it sounds just more sad than cute. (laughs) Joe would watch nature shows on TV with his older brother, Gerald. And I looked that up and it's pronounced Gerald, (laughs) not Gerald. (laughs) I looked up how it was spelled. (laughs) It's Gerald. How is this? G-A-R-O-L-D. Oh, and yeah. I even listened like to Harold. it. Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's like Harold, but with a G, and it's yeah. a hard G. Yeah, hard G. Huh? Okay, so he'd watched nature shows with Gerald, and would often tell Gerald that he wanted to live in Africa one day so he could see all of the beautiful beasts running free. When Joe was 11, his father decided that he was done farming and wanted to raise racehorses, so the family picked up and moved to Wyoming, and then Texas shortly thereafter. So say Wyoming? Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, pro- I mean, Kentucky, I I think racehorses, I think, like, Kentucky. Right. Midwest. Yeah. Indiana. I guess Texas. Right. Not really Wyoming. No. Maybe it's because, <laughs> like. They've always got a headwind there, like. <laughs> yeah. 50 miles. I guess Maybe it's good, good for practicing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good training. <laughs> so Joe graduated high school in 1982 and became a police officer in the small town of Eastvale, Texas. The population was only about 500 at the time. After only a year, Joe was promoted to chief of police. So he's 19 and chief of police. 12 months later. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. They had had a low bar. Yeah. At this time, Joe was living with his girlfriend named Kim, but he was starting to come to terms with his sexuality and was also exploring the gay nightlife in Dallas on his nights off of work. In 1985, one of Joe's siblings outed him as gay to his parents. Joe's father made Joe shake his hand and promise not to attend his funeral. So... Um, yeah. His already unloving father. Yeah, it like, just makes it that much worse. Yeah. Joe was overcome with shame and attempted suicide by crashing his police cruiser into a concrete bridge and bank bin. The police cruiser was destroyed, but Joe walked away with only a broken shoulder. Did you say a time period again for this? So this is 1985 currently. Wow. Yeah. 85? 85. He's only 19 years old. Hmm. Police chief. Gets out of his gate to his parents. And then tries to commit suicide by crashing his police cruiser into a concrete bridge and basement. After his dad basically says... Like, disowns him. Yeah. Yeah. So the police cruiser was destroyed, but Joe walked away with only a broken shoulder. Joe left Texas to participate in an experimental saltwater rehabilitation program in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's probably a pretty good place to recover. And it's probably best for him to get out of Texas at this point, you know? Yeah. While in... I don't know. I feel like people have a misconception. I mean, maybe it's not the most exact. I don't... Well, I'm just saying for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, At that time, in the 80s, yeah. In the, a small town in Texas in the 80s. Yeah. Maybe get away from his parents. Yeah. You know? Go to Florida. While in Florida, Joe moved in with his Some new... Hot, hot Cuban men. Yep. Joe, <laughs> Joe moved in with his new that boyfriend. <laughs> it's successful. To be fair, I don't... It says he moved in with his new boyfriend, and I don't know what nationality... Probably Cuban. His boyfriend is, but... So he moved in with his new boyfriend and got a job at a pet store. Joe's new neighbor, Tim, worked at a drive through exotic animal park where people could ride around in safari cars and look at wild animals wandering around heaven. large enclosures. Yeah, see, Florida was good for Joe. Yeah. Tim would bring home baby lions and monkeys sometimes and let Joe play with them and bottle feed them. Doesn't that sound like the life? That's like the best neighbor ever. Like, I, what do they got, an elephant up there? Like, I, literally, Tim has an elephant. I kind of want to quit my job and just go work at one of these places. Yeah. I know there's one in Bandon, Oregon, because I've been there before. Yeah. 
After a couple of years, Joe moved back to Texas and got a job as a security guard at a gay cowboy bar named the Roundup Saloon. Joe met Brian Ryan there, and the two started dating shortly thereafter. New boyfriend. New boyfriend. Florida boyfriend didn't work out. Joe and Brian moved into a trailer in Arlington, where they shared their bed with a pack of poodles. It doesn't say, like, the article didn't say how many poodles, it said a pack of poodles. <laughs> so, I, Jeremy and I, well, let's say, I, for the most part, lived in a trailer in a trailer park in Wyoming for four months, yeah. five months, with my dog, and that was tight. And yeah. we had a big trailer, so yeah. I can't imagine sharing it. Yeah, I worked out of town five days a week, so it was literally you, the dog, and the trailer. Yeah. And it was a good-sized trailer. Yeah, and it was still tight. I can't imagine sharing it with another person and a pack of poodles. Yeah. Standard poodles? I, I don't know. Probably. I would hope small poodles, but I don't know. Both Joe and Brian grew mullets and handlebar mustaches. <laughs> so so this, is, this is the late 80s, by the way. Yeah, which your dad, who was a, a mountain man. He had a mullet. And a handlebar mustache. Both those things. I've Both seen pictures things. of yep. it. Yep. yep. It's pretty amazing. Everybody had them. Yep. Although I don't think my dad did. I don't think your dad did either. He had a but, mustache, but not a handlebar but your, mustache. But your dad was a little bit, you know, older than both my dad uh, and yeah. this Joe guy in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. He was yeah. past the, the hip. 20. <laughs> yeah. My dad, my, my dad was still in his, he was in his late 20s. No. Yeah. Your dad wasn't born in the 60s. Okay. We can delete this. Please don't let my dad Okay. <laughs> so, they, they're looking pretty cool. Or bleep on, it. Yeah. On Saturdays, they would snort meth and go clubbing. Snort it? Yeah. That's what the article said. Snort it. I didn't know you could snort meth. Yeah. But to be fair, I don't really know much about drugs. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe before they found out you could smoke it, you snorted it. Maybe. And then somebody found out you could smoke it. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Huh. Strange. Somebody write us right in and tell us. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If you know. So sometime in the late 80s, Joe and Brian held an unofficial marriage ceremony at the Roundup Saloon. After the wedding, Joe got a job working at a pet store named Pet Safari that was down the street from their trailer park. After working there for a while, Joe, Brian, and Joe's brother, Gerald, decided to buy the pet store. At first, they only sold... That sounds like a... That sounds like a drunk and high night. Like, <laughs> that's like, right. Let's buy the pet store. Let's, let's, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You better not back out when, tomorrow when we're all sober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sign this agreement now. Yeah. So at first they only sold reptiles, birds, and small fish. Gerald would dumpster dive behind furniture and carpet stores and turn his finds into cat playgrounds and dog houses, which they would then sell at the pet store. Eventually, nice. they were able to... That's like the first Etsy shop. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they were able to expand their store and started selling small exotic animals like three-banded armadillos and four-eyed possums. Okay, first of all, I read four-eyed possums, and I was like, there's a four-eyed possum, and then it's really disappointing. They only have two eyes, but they have, like, little white spots of other eyes that look like other eyes. But I was excited to, like, learn about this crazy <laughs> creature that had four eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Joe would hang rainbow banners outside and sell rainbow dog t-shirts to attract gay clientele. In October 1997, Joe received a call that Gerald had been hit by a truck driver just outside of Dallas. Gerald died within the week. Joe couldn't imagine to continue on with the pet store without Gerald, so he decided to sell it. Joe and Gerald's parents won a $140,000 settlement from the trucking company that was responsible for Gerald's death. 
Joe's father called the settlement blood money and refused to spend it. Gerald's wife and kids wanted to use the money to build a soccer field in Gerald's honor, but Joe told them that it was Gerald's dream to go to Africa, see wild lions, and spend time with people with bones in their noses. Hmm. That's a quote from Joe. And since Gerald never got to go to Africa, they could use the money to bring Africa to America. Using the settlement money, Joe purchased a 16-acre horse ranch in Wynwood, Oklahoma, and named it the Gerald Wayne Exotic Animal Memorial Park, or GW Zoo for short. Joe and Brian uh, moved into the ranch house already built on the property. Except for it's his dream. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> That's self- that was his except dream. Except for it's his dream. That's selfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Joe got to work pouring cement and building cages. The first animals on the property were Gerald's pets, a deer, and a buffalo. Word started to spread that an, that an exotic animal sanctuary had opened, so people started dropping off the exotic animals that they no longer wanted. First there was a mountain lion, then a bear. Joe convinced the local Walmart to donate its, its expired meat that he would feed the carnivores. In 1999, Joe agreed to rescue a flock of emus that had been neglected on a farm just south of Dallas. Huh. While he was trying to load them up, some of the emus escaped and headed for the freeway. Oh, no. <laughs> Joe shot six of them and was arrested by local law enforcement for recklessness and animal cruelty, but a grand jury acquitted him. He was arrested because there was emus running towards the freeway and he just shot them, so he was shooting towards the freeway. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Well, I mean, how close, like, towards the freeway? Close enough that he was arrested. (laughs) Yeah, but, I don't know. I guess he got acquitted. Yeah, he was, yeah. So, good for him. Good for him. In 2000, a game warden called Joe and told him that there were two abandoned tigers in a back... Oh, wait, so now now law enforcement wants him to help them? Yep. Gosh, America. uh, Two abandoned tigers in a backyard near Ardmore, Oklahoma. Joe brought the tigers back to the park and named them Tess and Tickles. (laughs) Joe let the tigers breed and would bring the baby tiger cubs into the house with him and Brian. In December 2001, Brian died from aid complications, and Joe held the funeral at the zoo. Within the next year, Joe had a new husband, a 24-year-old named J.C. Hartpence. The animal sanctuary was hemorrhaging money, but J.C. was an event producer and helped Joe develop a traveling animal and magic show where kids could pet tiger cubs while also learning about conservation. Joe began to use stage names like Aaron Alex, Cody Ryan, and Joe Exotic. He would hold his shows in malls and fairs from Texas all the way to Wisconsin and would travel around in a 1969 Frito-Lay truck. <laughs> Joe teamed up with a magician named Johnny Magic to perform at these shows. Joe Exotic and Johnny Magic. Yes. <laughs> the most popular trick was Johnny Magic would transform a baby tiger into a full-grown tiger. Nice. When Johnny Magic decided to leave Joe's show, Joe continued to use Johnny's tricks and started calling the show the mystical magic of the endangered. As the first show began to grow... Joe upgraded the Frito-Lay truck to a Winnebago and then eventually an actual tour bus. Joe was going almost exclusively by Joe Exotic now. He enjoyed the magic show, but the show really was used to get people back to the tour bus, which also doubled as a mobile petting zoo. That's where he really made his money. People would pay $25 to hold a baby tiger for six minutes and another $25 for a picture with it. Joe would often brag that the mobile petting zoo once made him $23,697 in five days. Wow. Now that he was making money... I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, you'd be a sucker for that at a fair. Oh, I would... 
I'd be like, so $25 for six minutes. <laughs> How much is an hour? How much is an hour? Do I get a discount? Bucks. <laughs> yeah, do I get a discount if I buy an hour? Yeah. Joe's new problem was that he needed to be constantly breeding tigers to have a steady supply of baby tigers. And once baby tigers grew into full-size tigers, they, a place for them they were go. very expensive to care for, yeah. which meant he needed more money, which meant more touring with baby tigers, which was just a vicious, vicious cycle. cycle. Yeah. Joe would give his animals horse vitamins instead of specialized exotic animal vitamins because the horse vitamins were cheaper. Yeah. He would also take in horses that people would donate, shoot them, and then feed them to the big cats. Huh. In 2003, Joe visited another zoo in Oklahoma where he saw a liger, the result of a tiger and a lion breeding, and Joe knew that was going to be his next project. Joe immediately went back to his park and put a tiger with a lion and soon had his own liger. Joe kept experimenting and then had a tiger, which is a liger bred with a tiger, and a tilaliger, which is a tiger bred with a lion. Hmm. These they, so they don't they don't become I can't remember sterilized. The yeah. Nope. Apparently, you can keep breeding them. Breed, crossbreed, rebreed. Mm-hmm. These cats got huge. Joe's largest tiger-lion hybrid was over a thousand pounds. Jeez. Yeah, these are big cats. <laughs> massive. Yeah. What's a normal tiger, like five, six hundred pounds? Uh, let's look it up. Hey, it's probably like, uh, maybe not even that much, maybe like three, four hundred pounds. Uh, it says males can be anywhere between 200 and 680 pounds, and females 140 to 370 pounds. Yeah. So this, this, like t- double, this liger is double, double the size triple, of a tiger. Quadruple the size of a tiger, yeah. Uh Joe figured if he kept going, he could recreate the saber-toothed tiger, which, by the way, scientists say that, no, he could not. <laughs> <laughs> not, unless, not unless he had some of the, uh, what are those things called? What? The, like golden crystals. The, the amber? He, yeah. he found a, yeah, a mosquito with some saber-toothed tiger DNA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How crazy would that be? Yeah. A thousand-pound saber-toothed tiger? Yeah. Like, that's the... Like the the starting size of them. Right. <laughs> and just get bigger from there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We kept asking if we could. We didn't ask if we should. Yeah, yeah. Joe began to morph into his Joe Exotic persona. He dyed his mullet blonde, dressed in spangly shirts, and wore leather chaps. <laughs> he had one long manicured pinky nail on his left hand, had permanent eyeliner tattooed onto his eyelids, and became covered in tattoos. Nice. Joe got several facelifts and pierced his ears, eyebrow, and penis. Was that relevant? I mean, I'm just trying to give you an idea of what this guy looks like and who he's becoming. I didn't need to know that his... Well, now you know. (laughs) His Johnson. Well, and there's also a quote that he said that that piercing was as big as a master lock padlock. That is also another piece of information. (laughs) So, you know, I didn't have that written down, but it stuck in my brain. (laughs) Why? Because it's a crazy fact. (laughs) Okay, so Joe and JC were having relationship problems, which Joe attributed to JC's drug and alcohol addictions. JC said he often argued with Joe about the purpose of the park, which JC wanted to see as a rehab release sanctuary, while Joe continued to collect and breed animals for profit. 
One day, J.C. walked into the office and found a picture on his desk of the park's largest tiger baring his teeth over a piece of meat. J.C.'s remains were typed over the picture, and a post-it note was attached that read, If you don't get your blank together, this is going to be reality. One night after that, Joe woke up to J.C. standing over him with a loaded forty five and three fifty seven Magnum pointed at Joe's head. J.C. said, I want out. Are we clear? Joe talked J.C. into putting the guns down, then called the cops. J.C. was arrested and never came back. Joe's next husband was John Finlay, who started dating Joe only a few months after graduating high school. He likes him young. While he was with Joe, he grew his hair out into a rat tail and started taking steroids that would make him prone to huge attacks of rage. Joe paid for John to get a tattoo just above his butt, just above his pelvis that said, Privately Owned by Joe Exotic. While with John, Joe also started dating a man named Paul. Joe, John, and Paul would all sleep in the same bed, with Joe sleeping in the middle. When Paul- Is this relevant? I mean, yes, it's all relevant. Okay. <laughs> when Paul left- We're getting a little less out of history here, I feel like. <laughs> when Paul left, Joe married another young man named Travis in a three-way ceremony between Joe, John, and Travis, where they all wore pink button-down shirts, and the flower girls and ring bearers were monkeys. <laughs> I do want to. It's quite wanna the wedding. There. Yeah. As Joe's park and traveling show grew, he began to attract scrutiny from animal rights groups and federal regulators. In July 2004, the Oklahoman ran an article about a lion cub that had been born at the zoo that was born crippled, likely because of inbreeding. An animal sanctuary owner and activist named Carol Baskin was quoted in the article saying, No legitimate animal sanctuary would allow that to happen. In 2006, the USDA suspended Joe's exotic animal license for two weeks and forced him to pay $25,000 in fines for several violations, including failing to provide adequate veterinary care and failing to remove feces from animal enclosures. That same year, PETA published video footage from Joe's park that showed employees discussing irregular feeding schedules, swatting animals, and even one employee striking a tiger with the butt of a rifle. PETA claimed that the park was churning out litters of tigers, lions, bears, and other exotic animals. Some are deformed, likely because of inbreeding or inadequate nutrition for the mother during pregnancy. Local and federal investigators started coming by to investigate the claims, but no charges were ever filed. At this time, the park was still only 16 acres, but now housed over 1,000 animals. My gosh. Yeah, so it's just, it's crammed. Massive. Yeah. And like... Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, they they kept up with the construction of the necessary facilities. It's probably all, like, temporary or, you know, like, well, and you're thinking really about inefficient. Not only, you know, just thinking about just the big cats and how yeah. big these big cats are, even yeah. 16 acres. Yeah. I mean. You get a few hundred. It seems too small for all of those cats. A few hundred square feet per, like. Yeah, and that's not enough. Yeah. Plus, like, all the pathways and stuff in between. Right, and the buildings and... Yeah. yeah. The park's annual revenue was about $540,000, most of which was from donations. Joe opened up a gift shop in the park where he sold Joe Exotic skincare, Joe Exotic alcohol, and Joe Exotic condoms. Like, they all had his face on it. (laughs) Your face right now. (laughs) Like, why not sell stuffed animals? Or... I think he sold that too, but he also had his own line of items. Products? <laughs> yeah. He also... God, I hope. I hope. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't... Never mind. 
I don't want a condom with an... He's selling his brand. Yeah. He also opened the safari bar two miles down the Does road. Did he have an Instagram? Oh, man. I should look if he did. Uh, he also opened the safari bar two miles down the road and a pizza restaurant named Zooters. Carol Baskin. <laughs> you like that name? Is this like a knockoff Hooters? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Come on. Like, like, let's be honest. I this mean, is probably. A Hooters. But probably. Or what, 2007, you said? 2008? This is. Uh, Six still? 2006. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Carol Baskins, the animal activist I mentioned before mm-hmm. in the article, had her own animal sanctuary, which was 40 acres near Tampa, Florida, that she named Big Cat Rescue. As more people found out about Carol and her animal sanctuary, people would call her asking if certain sanctuaries were legitimate and if they should donate their animals to them. Carol then started a website called 911animalabuse.com where she would put detailed reports on private zoos and sanctuaries. In 2010, Carol became aware of Joe and his traveling act that was requiring him to breed tigers on a mass scale. Carol asked her followers to email the malls and fairs where Joe was booked to perform to warn them about his unethical behavior. Shortly after that, she began to receive phone calls and emails from people asking her why she was sponsoring Joe's traveling show. Carol was very confused, so that's when she realized that Joe had started to use the Big Cat Rescue name and logo to advertise his show. So in January 2011, Carol sued Joe for trademark infringement. Oh my gosh. As the, Good. Yeah. Carol. As the legal battle went on, Joe built a television studio at the park and began to broadcast Joe Exotic TV on his website, where he started calling himself the Tiger King. Joe would often go on long tirades about Carol. Joe ended up losing the infringement case to Carol and now owed her... What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean... Surprise. I feel like it's a pretty open-shut case. Yeah. Uh, so when he lost it, he ended up owing her $1 million. He filed for bank- he filed for bankruptcy, dissolved the Gerald Wayne Exotic Animal Foundation Memorial Park, and then had his associates form the GW Interactive Zoological Oh my god. Institute. Uh, foundation. Foundation. Which would now own the zoo so that Carol couldn't collect on it. John started to feel that Joe was manipulative and controlling and tried to leave Joe, and actually ended up attacking Joe, where he was then arrested and charged with assault and battery. Paul was? Joe. Joe was the one that with the rat tail on was taking steroids. Not Joe Exotic. No. Oh, sorry. John. John attacked Joe, and yeah. John was arrested. Yeah. My bad. Uh, Joe was becoming paranoid that there were that animal rights groups were sending their members to spy on him at the park. He posted photos and videos of himself firing weapons and explosives, warning the activists not to mess with him. He also kept bringing up Carol during his TV show episodes. This guy's crazy. <laughs> Right? Yeah, oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's spiraling now. <sighs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think back to his life and his childhood and, like, animals. But now he's, like, literally exploiting animals. Right. And. Yeah, somewhere along the line, <sighs> he definitely took a turn for yeah, the worse. Yeah, he flipped. He flipped. Maybe it was Gerald. Gerald's yeah. death. Yeah. Who knows? Um. So during. Ah, I think it happened before Gerald's death because. Maybe with He's not like, being accepted. Oh, Gerald was like all he wanted was like exotic. Yeah. African you could animals. you could be like you know maybe it started all the way back when he was a child and was raped like yeah. at five years old, yeah. or when his dad didn't accept him, or when yeah. this and this and this. It's probably all of the things yeah. culminating to his mental health severely deteriorating. Degrading. Yeah. Um. So one episode, he said, 
or Carol and all of her friends that are watching out there, if you think for one minute I was nuts before, I am the most dangerous exotic animal owner on this planet right now. In another episode, Joe had a blow-up doll wearing a blonde wig and said, You want to know why Carol Baskin better never, ever, ever see me face-to-face ever, ever again? And then Joe shot the doll in the head with a pistol. He then said, That is how sick and tired of this shit I am. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you tomorrow night. Yeah, so fun fun episode, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really really one for the kids. <laughs> On March 26th, 2015. Wait, that's like that's some psycho sh- Yeah. 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 On March 26th, 2015, there was an explosion in the alligator compound at the park. What? Yeah. First of all, there's, first explode. of all, first of all, there's an alligator <laughs> I, compound. I've never heard of alligators exploding before, though. Well, so there was an ex- there was an explosion. I know. It's not, it's not that an alligator. No, exploded. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Is like, what the? What's going on? So the explosion ended up boiling all of the alligators alive, but one. What? And destroyed Joe's what TV Mola? studio. Investigators have speculated that it was arson, but no one was ever arrested. Really? So, like, a lot of people think it was some animal rights activist group or something that blew it up. That blew up the alligators. Mm-hmm. Animals' rights. Well, they might have been trying to blow up just his TV studio and then it, and ended up blowing up the alligator enclosure as well because everything's just so close to each other. Either uh, way, it's not okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, but, yeah. But why would you blow up alligators if you're animal rights activist? Yeah. 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 I guess because you're... Is that called? Vigilante? I don't know what word you're looking for. Double agent? I don't know what you're trying to say. Sure. Um, So at this time, Joe was moving towards a settlement on how to pay Carol the $1 million. After a 10-hour mediation hearing, it was agreed that Joe would pay Carol monthly payments. He could keep the park, but he would have to quit letting people pet the tiger cubs, and he would have to stop breeding the big cats. Carol's lawyer sent over a draft of the agreement to Joe's lawyer's, but they didn't hear anything for days. The mediator set up a conference call with Joe and his lawyers to find out what was going on. A strange voice came on the line that said, There is no deal. We're not doing this deal. When asked who was speaking, the voice said, Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe was one of the associates that had taken over the park for Joe. They had met when Jeff bought a Tiger cub from Joe. Jeff Lowe had a shady past that included being sued by the musician Prince for se- for selling clothes with Prince's trademark symbol on them. And uh, he also pleaded guilty to mail fraud charges another in another ups- case. Another upstanding capitalist <laughs> member yeah. of society. Jeff had moved to the park and acted as the co-owner along with Joe. Around this That's t- business, baby. Around this time, a former strip club owner named James Garretson started hanging out at the zoo, too. Because he had ideas for... Are they going like, to do like an exotic <laughs> strip club well, he, zoo? He had an ideas for opening an exotic animal-themed bed and breakfast. So he's getting out of the strip club business and going into the bed and breakfast business. I mean, business. I, think, I, think people, I think the people would want an exotic animal... Strip club? Yeah, as long as the animals were ethically treated. Yeah. So that's when Joe asked Garretson if he knew any hitman. Joe wanted to have Carol killed and was willing to pay someone $10,000 for the job. Oh my gosh, you owe her a million bucks. You should probably fork over a little more than or that. Or at least, you know, half. Like, you can even do half. 
Half of what? A million? That he doesn't have? I mean, yeah. Probably, I would say like, I don't know. Yeah, but more than $10,000. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just... That's what I That's what I was thinking. Like, I would never kill somebody for $10,000. I'm not going... My thing is, if I have to kill somebody, I plan on retiring on that money. I'm not going to kill somebody for $10,000 where I still have to go to my day job yeah. after it's over. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I need to make enough money that I can, like, go live in Mexico for the rest of my life and never yeah. work a day again. Right. Not saying that I ever would. <laughs> Well, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> to yeah. Hypothetically Hypothetically. Speaking. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. Just, yeah. Just putting it out there in yeah. the world. Yeah. That if I was to be a hitman, I would be very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the risk is so huge. Yeah. It's like, not worth $10,000. I feel like you're about ready to tell me that the person, like, either turned him in or got caught trying to murder. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep going. So, Gerritsen told Joe that he'd ask around, but he just blew it off. He's like, yo, I'll ask around. He's like, I'm not asking around. This guy's crazy. Yeah. In 2017, a new employee named Ashley Webster walked up to Joe and Jeff to just say hello, but instead they asked her if she would be willing to go to Florida to kill Carol for a few thousand dollars. So, they're actually lowering their price. What? Hey, new girl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's like, hey, boss. And they're like, hey, would you go kill somebody for me? She's like, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a a pre-vet student from, like, some state college. (laughs) Like, you're on an internship. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley uncomfortably laughed and then walked away. Ashley quit her job two weeks later. But girl, why did it take you two weeks? You should have quit that baby not to look suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she was like, well, if I quit now, it's going to look like that's the reason Maybe they'll try to kill me. Yeah. So, after she quit her job, she left a voicemail for Carol that told her that Joe was trying to hire someone to kill her. I I seriously think she probably took those two weeks to find out, like, no, that wasn't a joke. Like, yeah. they were legitimately asking. Yeah. Because, like, what would you say? If, like, you're new on the job and somebody's like, hey, go kill this person. And you're like... Oh, weird joke that I huh? obviously don't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in on the joke. Yeah. And then it's like, oh. Oh, no, he wants her dead. Yeah. She like, probably then was there for, like, a Joe Exotic TV episode. And she was like, oh, no. <laughs> she, he, she like... Or she started watching him. She, like, just... See, ever, she, like, like, walked in on the room with all the blow-up dolls that say Carol <laughs> across the head. She's got oh, this is weird. Stock room. This is not... Yeah. yeah. So, Carol sent the voicemail to her lawyer, which turned it over to Special Agent Matthew Bryant with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which when I read that, I was like, why are you giving this to a um, Fish and Wildlife agent? I don't think this is in his wheelhouse. Yeah. So, because this guy was investigating Joe at the time for wildlife crimes. Mm -hmm. So, since he didn't usually handle murder for hire cases... He got a hold of FBI agent Andrew Fairbow. After meeting with the FBI agent, Agent Bryant met with Garrettson and asked him to secretly record Joe the next time that he met them and bring along an undercover agent that would pose as a hitman. On October 6, 2017, Travis, one of Joe's other husbands, mm-hmm. had been in the Parks gift shop joking around with one of the employees there. He was showing the employee his Ruger pistol. Travis had read on the internet which is like a bad sentence already. Mm-hmm. But if you take the magazine out of the gun and you pull the trigger, the gun wouldn't fire even if there was a bullet in the chamber. Travis put the gun to his head and fired. He was dead before the first responders arrived. Yeah. This put Joe into an even deeper depression and deeper spiral. Yeah. 
He was now all alone. All of his lovers had either died or abandoned him. Joe approached another employee about killing Carol. This employee agreed, so Joe gave him $3,000. This employee got on a plane and left for South Carolina instead of Florida, though. He never had intentions to kill Carol. He just figured he should get out of the park and might as well rip Joe off, too. He's like, okay, my boss is clearly insane. Yeah. So I'm going to quit this job, but I might as well get a few thousand bucks out of him before (laughs) I leave. Consider it a severance package. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's smart, I guess. I don't know. Probably. Apparently he had, this employee had a teardrop tattoo under his eye, so Joe took that to mean that he had killed somebody before, but apparently he got it, this guy got it after his grandma died, because his grandma dying made him sad, and so that's why he got the teardrop tattoo. Aw, that's so so sweet. (laughs) It's not because he was a killer, it's because he loved his grandma. I don't, don't, yeah, I don't know that that's an appropriate response, Uh, I I guess it is. It's art. Yeah. But. Teach their own. Yeah. So when Joe realized that the employee had ripped him off because Carol was still alive, he arranged a meeting with Garretson and the undercover agent that he thought was a hitman. Joe met with the undercover agent on December 8th, 2017. Garretson recorded the conversation. Joe offered the undercover agent $5,000 up front and $10,000 total to kill Carol. Joe didn't have the money just yet to pay the undercover agent, so Garretson and the undercover agent left. While law enforcement was putting together their case against Joe, Garretson met with Joe several more times and recorded all of their conversations. After the FBI tracked down the employee that had taken Joe's money, they arrested Joe Exotic on two counts of murder and 17 counts of exotic animal abuse. Joe's trial took place in March 2019, and the jury only deliberated for three hours. They did what? They deliberated for... Deliberated? They what? Just trying to apparently talk too fast, get ahead of myself on the syllables. The jury only deliberated for three hours before they found him guilty on all counts. Good. Joe was sentenced to 22 years in prison. Yikes. The animal sanctuary is still running, but every mention of Joe Exotic has been removed from the property. Uh, please tell me Carol owns it now? Uh, she does not. Wow. But they have gotten rid of most of the animals. It's not really, it's very much a shell of what it used to be, which is good. Yeah. It's for the best. Yeah. That's what it needs to be. Yes. The healthy, the healthy amount of animals it could probably carry. Joe Exotic has written President Trump asking for a pardon. In the closing for his letter, he said, I know by seeing your passion and conviction regarding our rights as American citizens that this isn't what you meant by your belief to let's make America great again. Mr. President, I am pleading with you to please have this looked into. Did I read that right? I think the last sentence is more like, Mr. President, I am pleading with you to please have this looked into. Anyways. Sorry. Joe, as for right now, Joe has not received a reply and has said that if he is not pardoned, he will seek another trial. So that is so far the story of Joe Exotic. He's currently in prison. Like I said, I left out a whole bunch of stuff. To be continued. I think I left out a couple husbands, at least a few boyfriends. I left out that he actually ran for president in 2016. So So part of his letter was like, you know, I ran against you in 2016, but... Like, hopefully, like, I believe in America, America great again, and so hopefully but you can pardon me. But by God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
That's the story of Joe. For now. Shreebogle? Shreebogle? I think, yeah. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Joe, Joe Exotic. S. Joe S. Joe S. Joe yeah. Exotic. Yeah. So, I'm actually really excited Where's he in private? Where's he in this. I don't know. Huh. But it's actually the day after this episode comes out. So, the Friday after, there's actually going to be a Netflix documentary released about Joe Exotic. What? That I am so excited for. Nice. So, I know what I'm doing Friday night. tomorrow. Friday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bottle of wine, little Joe Exotic. Yeah. I'm so excited. I want to show you a picture of him. An 80s picture of him? No, like a recent picture of um, Like, kind of recent. I kind of want to see an 80s picture of him, too. I mean, it's it's pretty great either way. <laughs> oh, he still has the mullet and handlebar mustache. Yeah, he never got rid of the Same mullet effect. or handlebar. Same effect. There, here's another <laughs> picture of him. <laughs> oh my god, what is that shirt? Is that like another? It's sparkly and I think tiger print and also rainbow colors. Yeah. There's a lot going on. And his shirt is buttoned down to only, or is unbuttoned almost all the way to his belly button. He has and one or two buttons. Chain. Actually buttoned on that shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So. You need to check out the gram. Yes. We will definitely put that on Instagram. Did you find if he had a, I don't know if he had an Instagram or, because I mean, I don't think he has one now or he's not using it now. (laughs) This account has been inactive for three years. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I found it. Oh my gosh, I found it. Joe Exotic? Yes. Boo. There's no blue check mark, but I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's him. I think he would have a blue check mark. You don't have a blue check mark, do you? <laughs> no, but there, he had a lot of followers. Joe Exotic. Let's see. Thirty-three hundred. Well, uh, last post was October sixth, two thousand eighteen. So yeah, probably right before he got arrested. <laughs> wow, there's some crazy stuff in this Instagram. Yeah, I know guy. what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. All right. So my sources for <laughs> I pushed follow I pushed chip. follow just in case he did you see the potato chip hot dog I did I did see that one <laughs> it's like the super blurry photo of a hot dog on a paper plate with potato chips on it but there's no and hot dog ketchup there's oh no, no there is no hot dog it's literally just a hot dog bun with chips and ketchup with chips and ketchup <laughs> and it says tough times call for tough measures potato chip hot dogs without the dog. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, man. Okay, so my sources for the story are Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey into the World of a Man Gone Wild by Leif Ragstad, American Animals, by which is a New York Magazine article by Robert Moore, and Joe Exotic Writes Letter to President Trump Asking for Pardon by Sylvia Corkill. Ugh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Starts <laughs> off with pity and empathy. Then you move into some... Then he's living. Then he's living high, yeah, and then he goes back well. to low. You're like prime. You're like, yeah, he's gonna. Like, he's found his thing. He's doing like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the American story, and then you're like, oh. Oh, but wait, he's not a great person. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. I, re- <laughs> I resent that support. Yeah. If you like this episode and you like this podcast, tell your friends about it. And also make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You can also support this podcast, which will help us keep putting out content and better content. That you can do that by going to patreon.com slash America the Bazaar or going to patreon.com and just searching for America the Bazaar. The link will also be in the show notes. If you are interested in looking at some sweet America the Bazaar merchandise, 
please go to americathebazaar.com. Do you, now that we're at the end of the episode, before <laughs> we go, do you have a guest who is eighth, an eighth cousin to Vice President Dick Cheney? Which president? I want to say it's Bill Clinton. Ooh, I feel like that's a really good guess. Yeah. It's actually Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. How? I I will I will put up a family tree of I mean it's it's a huge family tree because eighth cousins are very distant, very far apart. <laughs> I did uh, I did that twenty three and me, and I have eighth cousins that I'm like that's like one percent related. Yeah, that's like, like gene, not technically related. Yeah, your yeah. genes that you share are like so. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just saw that and I thought it was very unexpected. So yeah. I thought it'd be fun quiz question (laughs) so if you guys have any weird presidential facts that you know that you that you think would make a great question on here please send them to me so i don't run out yeah we love them yeah you can you can never you never know where you'll find some obscure facts too exactly so until next time stay Stay weird weird, america America.